Welcome on in the first edition of the Tony Parks Podcast. Thanks so much for being with us here today. It is Monday, May 11th, episode number one. Excited to get things started. Happy to have a chance to connect with all of you listeners out there. So thanks so much for all of your wonderful support and for being a part of this uh, show here today. Quick happy Mother's Day uh, yesterday to all the wonderful mothers out there. I uh, had a great uh, barbecue on Saturday night and also then on Sunday night with the family. Had a really good time uh, with my ma on Saturday night and the whole family and then Natalie's family on Sunday. It was it was a really, really good weekend. It was a lot of fun. Weather was fantastic. Uh, that has been one wonderful thing uh, that has taken place with being at home so often and stuff like that with the weather being good. Uh, we've been able to grill a lot more often. Um, so thanks so much once again for tuning in, had a chance to connect, uh, with all of you listeners out there here, you know, in the past month or so, uh, I'm going to get to the Donovan and Rudy conversation today. And usually with this show, uh, one thing you're going to like is we're usually going to get right into it. Just the topic of the day, we jump right into it right away. Uh, you don't have to sit through a whole lot to wait before we just get into the topic of the day. Um, but today is the very first show. And it would not be right if I didn't take a minute to send out some really, really important heartfelt thank yous uh, to a number of people out there who have reached out to me with words of encouragement and support. I really can't put into words how much uh, that has meant. It, it's meant so very much. Um, and, and how much that has helped while working out so many details to create a different path. Um, it meant a lot and, um, I felt that, that love big time over the last month, uh, which has been a, a challenging month to say the least. I mean, challenging month for sure. I mean, pandemic, uh, my wife's salon was shut down to, you know, job loss as you know. Um, but we also know, um, it's, it's not just been a challenging month for me, but for many of you out there. I'm not the only one who has suffered a job loss or, or heartache during this time. And, and I'll get more into kind of, you know, uh, some of the other stuff that, that goes with, you know, uh, uh, losing a job and having things like that. I'll go through all that some other day. Um, but my heart goes out to all of you who are continuing to look for employment, trying to plan for the future when things are incredibly uncertain. Uh, I don't just wish you the best because I'm also going through it. Uh, but I wish you the best and I'm thinking about you because we all need to be on one another's team during all of this. Um, I've had a number of friends in the business who I have known for such a long time who have been furloughed or laid off uh, during a time like this. And it, it just sucks. I mean, it just really, really sucks. So a uh, huge thank you to the people who have uh, led me to others with resources, equipment, helpful information that's made it uh, possible for me to get set up for all of this, uh, Dylan and Sasha, the Utah Podcast Network, uh, have been outstanding in their uh, help to, to making all of this um, uh, possible. And there's still a lot that I don't know about this format, and I'm learning every single day. Uh, they've been incredible uh, with their assistance. Uh, recently, uh, David Locke had me on his podcast, Locked on Sports. I'm a huge fan of that. Listen every single day, uh, and, and certainly... Uh, suggest that you all uh, do the same. Uh, Matt Sanchez had me on his podcast just or, uh, earlier this week, and then it um, or last week, and then it was played 
just yesterday. And so that was a lot of fun too. And, and I just love it. I've, I've loved the, the support and so many people reaching out. Uh, some other day I'll get into the experience of the last month and then the night that was March 11th and what that was like. The last two months altogether have just been a stunning change. Stunning change. And I know that I'm not alone in that. So any of you who have suffered any kind of loss during all of this, uh, my heart really goes out to you. And, and I'm hoping that this podcast can be something uh, that you look forward to every single day. Um, we're going to have a lot of fun. I hope you saw and liked the video that I put together. It was, it was fun doing that. Um, it was a video uh, kind of leading up to Mother's Day. There was a mom who was actually... Uh, the wife of Riley Jensen, the former Utah State quarterback, and then he was radio host, and now he's one of the best performance psychologists out there. Uh, you can check him out with Riley Jensen Consulting. Anyway, his wife is playing a game of basketball in the front driveway, and their son, Jack, just wouldn't pass it to his sister. So then mom locks it down defensively, swats his shot, and then knocks the ball away, and I had some fun kind of putting together the crowd noise with the timing of the eruption and all that. And then had Marv and Walton doing the commentary. Uh, it was fun. It was just a lot of fun to put together. If you didn't get a chance to see it, uh, make sure to look it up on uh, uh, my Twitter account or YouTube. Hey, it's even on TikTok. And, and if you ever have suggestions for something for the show or a video uh, that you thought would be a good idea, uh, just email me, TonyParks801 at gmail.com. And I say that because one thing I've really missed over the last month is the chance to talk to you, uh, the listeners, about a number of things. Um, that includes your favorite teams, the biggest stories, your favorite memories, other topics. Um, like I said before, I, I enjoyed the conversation with fans as much as I do anyone because it's the listener and the fan that this show is ultimately for and... Um, and, and what this is about. So I'm right there on social media, uh, at Tony Parks 801, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, I'll even put up some fun videos uh, like I did this last week on TikTok. So uh, yeah, you can be a part of the show in so many different ways. All feedback, all of that, you can email me, TonyParks801 at gmail.com. So a lot and a little has happened in sports over the last two months. So let's get into it. The, the biggest topic, though, that has happened, and I'll get into many other stories, um, like Shaq's comment about whoever wins the title this year, it, it like doesn't count as much. He essentially said it's hollow. Get into some more stuff on The Last Dance. We'll talk about uh, what I think is interesting coming up this week on the final episodes of The Last Dance and what it's going to look like with the jazz being in the thick of that and how we're all bracing for what could be the heartache of what was, you know, uh, 22 and 23 years ago. Um, so some of the time uh, later this week, I'll get into that. But the biggest story has been, and what I've been asked about the most, is Donovan and Rudy. And what does all of this mean over the last two months? And one of the reasons why I'm asked is to clearly covered the team and I had the chance to be around them covering their locker rooms since they both started with the Jazz during different times. Um, to give you a visual of the locker room, for those of you who've never like been in it or seen it, you picture just like a semicircle, right? So you have one big wall along the back part of the locker room, and then you would have all the lockers facing that back wall, but it goes out in kind of a half circle throughout the rest of the room. And Donovan and Rudy's lockers are right about 12 o'clock straight away. Their lockers are right next to one another. 
and have been since the arena was uh, renovated, which they did a fabulous job of, by the way. Um, so I've said the same thing when this first came out, and I'll say the same thing now. I'm not going to overplay this conflict, right, that was taking place from, I mean, the report that came out from Woj on March 12th to what was reported in The Athletic there uh, with Tony Jones and, and, uh, and The Athletic. So I'm not going to overplay this and overdramatize it, but I'm also not going to downplay this as well. I'm really not because the first thing that I would want to know, and I'm sure that the question has been asked and it's just that I haven't been on the air or anything like that. First question I would want to know, what was this really about? What is actually the problem? Because just because COVID-19 is what we know and March 11th, Oklahoma City, all of that, that doesn't mean it's the reason why. And I, I bring this up because, like, I want to take you back to working at the ballpark. And working at the ballpark is interesting because you have 70, 72 games, depending on which year that I was working there. And you work a lot of nights together. Now, you do the same in the NBA, and you do the same in some others, uh, like home, home games, I say. But it's different with baseball. And the reason why it's different is because so many of those games are consecutively worked. You'll work like eight in a row, 12 in a row, not just games, days. So you really get to know people to a very deep level. Deeper than you would get the chance to know most people in almost any working situation. So I remember working at the ballpark in a number of years uh, and a number of years ago. And I was working with a really bright young person was trying to grow in the business. They took what they did really seriously. Perfectionism to its highest point. Never met someone so driven. And we got along really well all of the years that we worked together. But there was this incredibly random moment that we got sideways. And I remember that what we got sideways about, on a scale of one to a thousand, I would rank, and most people would rank, at a 12. It was nothing. So other people were shaking their heads about the conflict and it just seemed really bizarre and out of nowhere. So when we had a chance to sit down and talk, it was discovered that the issue was actually a totally different subject that this person was afraid to bring up. And the issue was about something else and some other people involving other members of the team. And it had to do with some bullying. And this person thought, that because I never really stepped in, that I somehow endorsed it. To be completely fair, this person was very validated about their complaint. Very validated. And so in an hour, we really had the chance to work together on it. And I felt bad. I took full responsibility. I had some lack of awareness. Uh, I was just working away during the season, doing my thing, and I flat wasn't catching it. I felt awful. Awful. I should have paid better attention had a better pulse on the emotional state of a teammate. Uh, we made incredibly important changes to what we did as a team. And going forward, the product on the field, behind the scenes and everywhere else, the culture of the team uh, ended up being better than it ever has been. It was award-winning. We were the very best in minor league baseball at what we did. And that individual, as well as other individuals, absolutely soared. It was great. It turned out really, really well. Donovan Mitchell is a really well-educated, mature, bright young man with a dad that has worked in major professional sports. 
I can see how he might be upset over Rudy being careless and all of that. I mean, I sat there in the press room on March 9th and he touched my microphone and my phone and my earpiece. By the way, never was upset at him for any of that. Didn't blame him, not mad at him, you know, none of that. Uh, But I can see how other people may be upset about that or it may take them a second longer to really come to the understanding of, okay, you know what, it... This was an eventuality. Not everybody was out there taking it seriously anyway. We don't know who really gave it to who in the first place. So in all honesty, it's, it's something that it's not like Rudy did this. And if it wasn't for Rudy, this would have never happened. And I believe that Donovan is, is obviously smart enough to recognize that and realize that and is mature enough to, to you know, come to grips with that. I don't think that Donovan for two months held on to this, you know, moment in the locker room where Rudy was touching stuff or, you know, messing with somebody's stuff. I I don't personally believe, knowing these two, at least from a professional sense, that it would go to that level. So, you know, that's why I said. It's very unlikely this is the sole reason or biggest reason that there would be any serious discontent among two people who have worked really well alongside one another and have worked incredibly hard to get this organization to this point. So first question I have, what is this really about? For the record, I'm sure the front office of the Jazz and the coaching staff has asked this question. Uh, I'm not saying this on this podcast because I somehow believe they've overlooked this. Um, I'm sure they've asked this question. I'm sure they've identified what it is and are doing what they can going forward uh, to find the best resolution. Uh, This was the first time I've had a chance to talk about it, so that's why I bring it up. Uh, The second question is, Does this impact the team on the court and has it impacted the team on the court earlier in the year? Like, is this a pre-existing issue that has had impact on this team on the court before the year? And I ask this just because uh, now there's a difference between correlation and causation. I get it. I ask this because this is a jazz team that became the only team in NBA history. I don't make sure I word this right to have, I think it was five alternating four game winning or losing streaks in a row. It's like never happened before in the history of the league ever, ever. This team was the first to have that happen. This team was seventh defensively in the first month and a half, 11th defensively in the next month and a half, which is, which is fine. That's what we thought this team might be this year, more closer towards 10th or so on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, And then dropped to 29th in the league defensively over a month. All of this while getting healthier. Now remember, they had a 19 out of 21 stretch where they looked like a legit contender. And that's a quarter of the season where they looked unbelievable and had an offensive rating that was just through the roof. So they've had times where they look amazing. And then they've also had four home games in a row after the All-Star break that I still can't explain those performances. So I think it's a fair question to ask, is there at least a correlation here to, uh, between bizarre performances that were really eye-opening and eerie and weird and whatever this is actually about between Donovan and Rudy? Now, I'm not laying this out to suggest that the answer must be yes, but I'm also not going to blindly haul off and assume, well, this is just the jazz, so the answer is no. We just love the jazz. Like, no, the, the question has to be asked. So if the answer is no, then fine. And if then the answer is yes, then you know that this explains some of the bizarre performances. Because 
those stretches of great performances and wins, horrible performances and losses were really eye-opening. Uh, the one thing I will say is I did like that this team, uh, I guess like a week or so or 10 days before uh, March 11th went down, uh, they were really starting to get back defensively to you know what we expected. The rating was, was much better during that. So then the next question is, is this toxic? Because conflicts can exist, but then you got to know, is this toxic? Is it, can it be fixed? What's the solution? We've heard Donovan expects to be back out there and everything's going to be fine. Joe Ingles has echoed the same sentiment. Uh, Dennis Lindsay's echoed the same sentiment. That should give every Jazz fan a great feeling about this. If that ends up being the case, that would be great. Um, and, and one of the biggest things about it is, you know, toxic can mean a number of different things. Impacting the team on the court, impacting the rest of the dynamic of, uh, you know, the other 12 to 15 guys on the roster. So that's what you need to know. Then the other question people have had, what does chemistry really mean? Does it really matter? And I've, I've heard that several times from several different places. And I've heard people say, well, I mean, I, I work with coworkers that I don't always get along with, and I've seen coworkers that don't always get along, and everything turns out fine. Why do people have to be best buds for a team to be good? Well, they don't. They don't. But let me get to chemistry in a second, because chemistry is important to a point. But what's even more important is synergy. Synergy. How does each member of the team make one another better when they're on the court? Are they mentally connected enough to be thinking about the things that make their teammates better? Because I've worked with people that I had good chemistry with. They were good at what they do, but I didn't think we really made one another better. Um, and then we were, you know, both just us. And what's interesting, and I'm talking about not just radio, I'm talking like, you know, bees, I'm talking TV, I'm, several different areas that I worked with in sports and entertainment. So out of all those different places that I worked with, and I worked with, you know, hundreds of different people, every now and again, you had people you had good chemistry with, but I never felt like I made them better, and I didn't feel like they made me better. And we were both just us, which there's nothing wrong with, but you want to try to find a way to where you're soaring, to where you're galvanized, to where you're highly successful. I've also worked with people that I had nothing in common with, never went to lunch with, not a lot of great, I guess you could say chemistry necessarily. Um, we were both good at what we did. And when we were together, we were even better. Fantastic. I felt like I was much better at what I was doing when I was working with them and vice versa. So while chemistry is the conversation, synergy is every bit of, if not more, important. And nothing jumped out to me more than that than Quinn Snyder's first team, 2015. They were a 38-win team. But I want to say they finished like 16-7 and seven or something like that to finish the year. And they did it with Bryce Cotton, uh, Chris Johnson, Elijah Millsap, I mean, they did this with guys, uh, uh, Trey Burke even. Uh, they did it with guys that weren't necessarily good, guys that didn't even stay in the league. But the synergy was great, the way they defended, the way they played, uh, the way they played for each other. Um, March 28, 2015 is a day that jumps out to me because it was the day that um, Ennis Cantor ran his mouth at shoot-around, and then that team played the way they did for each other. Yeah, there was chemistry and synergy to an insane level. 
And you took a bunch of dudes who, quite frankly, don't have any business really being on the same court as some of the uh, premier players that were out there that night, especially like a Russell Westbrook. And they went out there and beat them. And they didn't just beat them. They also, earlier in the year, beat like uh, Damian Lillard. They beat, you know, uh, Tony Parker and the Spurs, who were playing well at the time. So anyway, we can talk about that another day. Back to chemistry on its own. I've said the same thing every time. Just because chemistry is not everything doesn't mean it's a non-factor. I've worked with people that don't have great chemistry, but it never impacts how they perform. I've watched people that have adversity strike and conflict take place, and in the end, find out they were better for it in the long run and glad they had it. And I've watched people that have something happen, and the dynamic of a working relationship is never the same. They fell short of what they were capable of being individually and as a team. Being in locker rooms for 18 years, 14 to 18 years, kind of more on the the full season level for 14 years, and then sporadically in those other four, I've witnessed locker rooms that exceeded what I thought they were capable of because of chemistry and synergy. I talked about the 15 Jazz. I thought the 18 Jazz was one of the best examples I've ever seen of that. That team had no business winning 29 out of 35. They had three out of five guys at a time on the floor that weren't great at stretching the floor. And I felt like they really got the most out of what they were made of. I mean, Joe Ingles was just terrific at times. Ricky Rubio just always making plays for somebody else. You know, Rodney Hood had some stretches where he was really, really good. And we all know Favors and his toughness and the way he was. And anyway, I've witnessed locker rooms where I thought they fell short of what they were capable of as well because chemistry wasn't good. Darren Williams, Jerry Sloan. Still the only team to start 13-3 and and not make the playoffs. Now, we all know what happened with Jerry retiring, Darren being traded, but we all know why that happened. They, They obviously were not in a good place. So they had a team in 2009 as well that was expected to possibly contend, and they ended up being an eight seed, quietly gone in the first round. So I've... Yeah, I've, I've witnessed locker rooms where the chemistry was so good. Here's another one. So good, but it actually was one of the reasons the team was awful. Uh, there was a guy who covered the Timberwolves one year, and it's when they had Al Jefferson, and they were absolutely terrible. I mean, they were just awful. And I asked him stuff about the team because I was doing the sideline reporting, and I was shocked when he said, yeah, the chemistry of this team's terrific. These guys get along. They love being around each other. I said, well, what do you mean? They've won like two of their last 21. They lost like 15 in a row. And he went on to say, yeah, well, that's, that's the problem. They get along so well that they've become content with whatever the results are. And that's why the Timberwolves were really, really bad. He said nobody could step up and say something. And so he said, you know, that's, that's why this team is what they are. The chemistry is actually too good. So, like I said, these are all some of the extreme examples, but my point is the same. Chemistry can absolutely impact a team to a little or dramatic level. It's really up to the individuals among that team who have the conflict. So, I'm not going to over-dramatize and say, oh my gosh, this team's going to take a nosedive. Rudy and Donovan are going to hate each other forever. I'm not doing that. And at the same time, I'm not going to downplay this as well and be like, this is nothing. They're fine. This is nothing. We love the jazz. Everything's going to be just fine. Look at the logo. See? No. This is up to those two guys. I'll say this about the jazz, though. Um, As a team, 
remember as well, so I've, I've heard other people say, well, they're going to be fine. They'll manage the situation. The bar for this team, first of all, when you say they're going to be fine, we got to define fine. Because the bar for this team was not to be fine. It was not to have a good year. It was to go out there and become a contender. At least a light contender, in my opinion. That front office worked really hard to put it together for a roster that was capable of doing that. Because the previous two years, as much as we liked them all, they didn't have the firepower necessary. They do have it now. You have the best defensive player in the league, some great shooters, a budding superstar in the backcourt, a great shooting stretch four who's more versatile than I thought, an upgrade offensively at point guard, a guy coming off the bench with sixth man of the year type capabilities with one of the very best, um, I know it wasn't a trade deadline deal, but one of the best trades during the season with Jordan Clarkson. It was outstanding. You won 19 out of 21 with an offensive production that had skyrocketed. This team was not aiming to be manageable or fine. They were not aiming to go out and, you know, get to the playoffs and maybe replicate what they've done the last couple years. No, 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 no. You were trying to break through to get to something like at least light contender mode. I said it. If this team went to the second round, played against a contender, 2-2 after four games, lost in six or seven games, but it was clear they were very capable to win that series, I find that acceptable. Because now you're breaking into a point where you're at least being taken seriously. But if this team got beaten the first round in any way, shape, or form, unless ravaged with injuries, or went to the second round and never really had a chance and got just smoked in four or a light five, you're not selling to me, no, some good things are, they're getting better. No, no. Because the bar was higher for this team. And I'm okay with the fans uh, having a higher expectation for that. Um, so I, when people say, oh, they're going to be fine. Well, that, that raises a little concern because fine was not the goal this year. That was not the goal. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal had a moment on the NBA on TNT once when he talked about something like this. And I tried to find the soundbite for like a month. I couldn't find it. Um, and I don't remember if he was talking specifically about his relationship with Kobe, but the topic of chemistry and feelings towards teammates was the, the conversation. And I remember Shaq saying, it's fine if we don't like each other. The most important thing is that there is respect. Respect that you're going to pass the ball when you're supposed to, communicate when you're supposed to, be unselfish on the court when you're supposed to. Shaq said that the respect part can't waver in those situations. I get the feeling, just the feeling, respect won't be a problem for Donovan and Rudy when they get out there. That's my opinion on the matter, and I hope that I'm right haven't been around them uh, for, you know, the past three years and having a chance to watch them operate. That's my opinion on the matter that I don't think respect will be a problem. It'll kind of go like they said it goes, that they will go out there and make the right basketball play when they're supposed to. Because I've only seen two teams out there that experience the ultimate prize with what I would call poor chemistry. That's the Lakers with Kobe and Shaq. Right, They experienced the ultimate prize, and it's also the Cavaliers in 2016. So the exceptions to the rule happen to be when a team has the greatest coach in the NBA, in the history of the NBA, with two of the top 10 players uh, in the league and all time, if you really want to get into it, and then a team that had the second greatest player in the history of the game. Donovan and Rudy are great, but they don't fit that criteria just yet. 
If you look at uh, the, those Laker teams too, also, you could say that they actually fell short of what they were capable of. That team had no business losing to the Detroit Pistons in 2004 in five games and getting handled in some of those games. That was embarrassing and, quite frankly, ridiculous. So even though they won championships, you could still say that they left some meat on the bone. Uh, the other thing, if you look at small market teams in history that have been able to seriously contend or actually win the title, great front office, and I believe the Jazz have that. Great head coach, I think the Jazz have that. And then key leaders of the team that are an extension of the front office and head coach. Yeah. This is very much going to be on Rudy and Donovan to continue something like that. The Jazz had that um, extension, by the way, uh, back in the days with Stockton Malone Sloan, and the Spurs had that with Tim Manu, Tony, and Popovich. It is exceptionally important. Uh, I'll leave you with this. Uh, last night, you saw a couple of situations during the last dance where the Chicago Bulls, with, with and without Michael Jordan, ran into a few moments of crisis, right? True moments of leadership really surface when a crisis hits. I know they showed the story of Pippen sitting out the final play in Game 3 against the Knicks in 1994, and I don't doubt that it took something out of that team in the moment. But the part they didn't talk about last night is that the Bulls were really close to winning that series. They didn't, they didn't talk about, like, they, it's, it's so weird sometimes when documentaries take place. I thought they, uh, they didn't do this well with winning time with Reggie Miller. They told some of the story really well, and then they just missed I thought on a few really big moments of the story. So they show the story of Pippen sitting out the final play in game three against the Knicks in 1994, and they made it sound like, well, that, that, uh, that cost him the series. I mean, they just, they just took that angle on it, that attitude about it. The part they didn't talk about is that the Bulls were so close to winning, they didn't talk about game five. Here they are in a 2-2 series and a 50-50 call by Hugh Hollins, which I think he probably got it right, but a 50-50 call by Hugh Hollins that went the Knicks' way, and New York wins the game by a point. The Bulls crush them in game six, and then we don't know, or uh, and then we know the Knicks, you know, go on to win the series in seven. That team actually played really well for the rest of that series. I thought Phil Jackson did a fabulous job with that team. Um, the other moment of crisis, although much smaller, uh, Michael Jordan hauls off and hits Steve Kerr. Phil Jackson holds Michael immediately accountable. Michael takes accountability himself. Jordan recognizes that Steve standing up to him is a good thing. I actually thought that was really mature of Michael during a time like that. And they actually end up being better for it as a team in the long run. Those are great moments of leadership from a head coach and a star player. So at the end of the day, we're going to find out when the games are played, it will be Donovan and Rudy that decide how much impact this does or doesn't have on the season when it resumes, and for their future as teammates. Because these two guys are really, really good, and they have a real chance to accomplish something great. And like I said before, this team wasn't built to get by. They weren't built to manage. They weren't built to make it work. They were built for something bigger, to take a much bigger stride than they have the past three years. But this team, as it is currently constituted, is not capable of being great if they're going to be bad at anything, which I don't think they will be bad at this, by the way, but that anything includes chemistry, synergy, and leadership. It'll be up to them 
to keep those things in a good place. And so I think we're going to find out a lot about the leadership, toughness, attitude, all the things that we've known about Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, the Utah Jazz, all of that when the games resume. My gut feeling, and it's only a gut feeling from being around them and having a sense of who they are, is that they're all going to work this out and hopefully they'll be even better for it going forward. Thanks so much for being a part of the Tony Parks podcast today. Email me, tonyparks801 at gmail.com. Reach out to me on all forms of social media at tonyparks801. Everyone stay safe out there. Have a blessed day. Thanks so much. This is the Tony Parks podcast on the Utah Podcast Network.